Hello, welcome back to the SQ Sports Podcast. This is Q. Um, I'm recording this one by myself because Shane is overseas for a little bit, and it'd be kind of hard to get us both on a schedule to record. But um, game two of the finals just ended, and I thought it was a really great game. I thought it said a lot about the both teams, um, especially Golden State, since they pulled out. They won 109 to 104. Um, and usually we don't do you know, instant reactions to stuff, but um, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to do it right now because I thought it was a really, really interesting game, especially in the second half. Um, and I'm probably getting to some draft stuff at the end if I am up for it. It's 11.24 p.m. Eastern. Um, the game ended about 30 minutes ago. And um, I might get in some draft stuff, might do some free agent stuff because we weren't able to record during the conference finals um, or at least after the conference finals. We recorded right after game seven of the Eastern Conference semis between Philly and Toronto. And um, we recorded our last podcast was on lottery night. We did a live reaction to that, which is actually pretty interesting. <clears throat> so um, quite a game if I should say so myself. The Warriors were down 12 at one point in the first half. They looked really, really bad. Curry had a terrible start to the first quarter. I don't think he had his first field goal until like midway through the second quarter um, where he finally had a three. He was like 0 of 6 to start the game. Draymond didn't look amazing until about – I mean, the first quarter, and Draymond didn't really play very well, but then he really picked it up. Um, DeMarcus Cousins was struggling a lot to start the game. I think he started like 0 of 4. He had two quick fouls. Uh, really, what would, the only person that was keeping them in the game was Clay Thompson. He had, I think he had 18 in the first half. Um, but basically, once – and I guess um, Curry, they said on the broadcast that he was a bit under the weather. I think Steve Kerr said he was dehydrated and they had to get put some fluids in him um, after the first quarter. And I think it – I mean, the results speak for themselves. Speak for themselves. Um, so – Really, but once the third quarter started, it was just like third quarter Warriors all over again, even though uh, Kevon Looney went out with a sprained collarbone and Clay Thompson went out with a uh, strained left hamstring, I want to say. Um, I'll look that up in a minute. But it was, some, it was either his knee or his hamstring. I can't remember. But he, he left the game, I think, at, toward the end of the third quarter, toward the beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, he landed a little awkwardly on a three and then, Stayed in the game for a couple minutes, but then he was like barely able to get out the court, um, and he did not return. He finished with 25 points, five rebounds, and five assists, and he shot four of six from three in only thirty. I mean, only 32 minutes, but still. So, um, the Warriors from the first five quarters of the series looked really bad. Look, they just looked discombobulated. It seemed like the rust, especially in game one, was just like the rust was real. I mean, they had nine days off. Um, before game one and Toronto had had a fair amount of time off but they were still kind of in rhythm I think they only had like four days off which is probably like the sweet spot in terms of getting a good amount of rest but not getting too out of rhythm so Toronto they were Fred Van Fleet has continued his ridiculous shooting um, Kawhi was just doing I honestly like it didn't even feel like Kawhi was doing that much tonight but he, I mean he did only only shoot 40% from the field but he had 34 and 14, 16 of 16 from the free throw line. Only went two of nine from three. He was a uh, second worst plus minus on the team. He was a minus 14. Lowry was a minus 17. 
which obviously, you know, one game plus minus is never truly accurate. Um, this doesn't always tell the whole story, but still, I mean, that's pretty rare for Kawhi. Usually he's pretty big positive. Um, he also had five turnovers tonight. So yeah, I get, I mean, I guess his down game is still 34 and 14, but you can tell like Draymond was really giving him problems. And then they put, they put a clay on him because Kawhi had, I think he had like eight early points and then they started putting uh, clay Thompson on him and clay was really doing a good job. Clay's on ball defense is just so good. And nobody ever talked. I mean, people do talk about it, but I feel like at some point he's, has he made all defense? I'm not sure if he's made all defense, but um, it's just, it's just, He's not like an amazing athlete. He's just so smart on the on defense. I mean, he's a good athlete. He's very quick, but he's just um he did make he made the all defense second team this year. So yeah, once they put him on Kawhi, it was like Kawhi was still getting his and he was still really efficient getting to the line. But Clay was clearly making him work kind of the way that um Aaron Gordon did a little bit uh through some parts of the first round, what Ben Simmons was doing a bit in the second round. Like Kawhi's good to get his points because he's Kawhi Leonard. He's a t- probably a top five offensive player, maybe top three offensive player in the league. But um, if he has to work for it, it's, I mean, he's, he's not invincible, even though it kind of seems like it. I mean, he's had some injury scares in the playoffs and he didn't look injured today. It was just like, still, he's, he's carrying a pretty big load. Um, Siakam had a ridiculously efficient game one. I think he only missed like three shots and he made all his free throws. But tonight he was five of 18. Um, didn't make any threes and missed two free throws, and he was just couldn't really get into a rhythm because they put Iguodala on him. They switched Iguodala onto him, and it seemed like it really started giving him fits. Um, and Gasol was really struggling. His his shot wasn't falling, and um, Danny Green. I mean, Danny Green's starting to pick it up a little bit, but if Van Fleet didn't have that those stretches where he was just scoring at will, I mean, this game could have been a blowout much earlier. I mean, it started to become a blowout and then some weird plays at the end of the game made it close again. It was like a 10 point game with a minute left. And then I think uh, Toronto got cut it down to two and then Iguodala hit a very clutch three at the end of the game to ice it with about six seconds left. But really it's just, as soon as the Warriors came out at the end of the second quarter, they started to kind of figure it out. Steph started hitting shots and they started getting their, you know, the Warriors looks that they always get. And in the third quarter, I think they started out the third quarter on an 18-0 run. Like, it was it was peak, like, 2016 Warriors, game six versus Houston a couple weeks ago, Warriors. The whole uh, game one versus Portland, like, when they're just getting whatever they want, even though they don't have KD. Like, usually the whole reason they've been able to get all these insane looks is because, like, you just can't double anyone. But right now it's like, even without KD, they're still kind of – they're figuring out Quinn Cook – had a really, he was just a really great spark at uh, three of five from three tonight. Um, when Curry was out, Curry came out and the Raptors started to make a comeback during the third quarter um, after that big avalanche, 18 0 avalanche. And then Quinn Cook just came in and hit two straight, just ice cold threes. And that was right when Clay got hurt. So it was really big momentum for them. Uh, Livingston, I thought his defense was um, better than it has been. I mean, he's looked. He's probably, I mean, he's pretty old at this point. So a lot of times it seemed like he's getting beat, but I thought he stayed like he did a really good job staying on Lowry because a lot of Lowry's points comes from just tricking people into biting for his pump fake, like at the free throw line. And he got a couple of times early in the game. But then this game, I thought uh, once they put Livingston on him for a little bit, I thought he did a really good job just being really disciplined. 
and the Warriors bigs. I mean, the Warriors lost two, two. I mean, Clay's obviously, you know, one of their best players. And then Looney's like been the really consistent low usage big man for them in the playoffs is pretty, uh, a pretty sound defensive player. And he only played 10 minutes because he hurt his collarbone. They had to play Bogut and Bogut played pretty well. He had six points and three of three from the field. And he was doing the, uh, the you know, the Draymond short roll lob to a big man. He was, you know, they've, they've perfected with like all their centers, but he was like the, the first one to, to do it. So it's kind of cool seeing him do that again. Um, but really like, the two people I was most impo- uh, impressed with was definitely Draymond and Boogie because Draymond's, it was just like, it was insane. The way he just, his defense on Kawhi at the end of the game was really great. After Clay, after Clay left the game, they had to put Draymond on him. He locked up Kawhi at the end of the game twice. Kawhi missed those patented like 12 foot kind of fadeaways, but they're still a really clean look. And Draymond defended them perfectly. I think he caused one turnover and two missed shots. And his passing was obviously incredible in the short on the uh, short roll, and his rebounding was really great. And he had a big block on Siakam, um, so yeah, it was just a really efficient game. He was six to twelve from the field, five six from the line. He didn't make any threes, but still, seventeen points on twelve shots. You're taking that from Draymond plus ten rebounds and nine assists and two steals and a block. So yeah, he was just everywhere. That the way it was, it was like prime Draymond tonight. Um, and then Boogie had a really bad start. Like he was forcing it. He had two really early fouls, even though it's, I mean one of them was kind of ticky tack. But, um, but then he had a like um, he had a run. He went to the line two straight possessions. He made four free throws, and then he hit a three. And it seemed like as soon as that happened, he kind of just like got into a rhythm. His passing was excellent. Like it always has been excellent. But um, tonight it was like they were really making those perfect cuts, and he was hitting them, which is. Pretty. I mean, that just shows how good of a passer he is because he hasn't really had time to like work with the players on that, work with the personnel that they have. Um, I mean, it's it's nice when you're when you're passing to some of the best off ball players of all time, and people have perfected a system for five years now. But still, I mean, it's not like not every center can make these passes as easy as he makes it look. And then um, he was really great on the boards. He had ten rebounds. He was just a lot of times because like the words were just giving up a few times I think they gave up multiple offensive rebounds in one possession and then he would finally just end the possession with a huge like classic DeMarcus Cousins rebound um so it was actually I mean I know a lot of people hate Cousins because of the decision or whatever I don't I don't really I don't really care at this point um but I mean it's just nice to see because he's had two pretty I mean he had a major major injury and then he had one that seemed like it was going to keep him out for the whole rest of the playoffs which would have sucked because he's never played in the playoffs so it's good to see him in his first final start he finally had his first field goal and he actually um, he actually made an impact, which a lot of people felt like he was just – and I thought his defense was pretty good, honestly. Like, at the rim, I thought he was contesting really well. And it's, he's not like – he. I mean, he has his moments where he can be, like, mobile. He's just – it's clear that he's not – at least not yet. He's not as mobile as he was. He was never that mobile in the first place. Um, But it's clear he's lost a bit of a step. And maybe a healthy offseason will change that. But at least right now, he doesn't look super mobile, but – Still, I thought um, just protecting the rim and protecting the paint. And he, didn't, he did an okay job staying on, like, Van Fleet if he got switched on to him. I thought he did, you know, just what you would expect out of, like, a, a beefy big man. Um, but, so, yeah, now it's 1-1. I think 
Toronto really needed to win this because Golden State, they, I think they were shooting like 28% midway through the second quarter from the field. And, you ha- I mean, you have to take advantage of that. They, they have these the – Toronto has these stretches where, like, they have, they've had it through the, throughout the whole playoffs. Game one versus Orlando um, when they lost at home. They couldn't hit a shot. And then um, throughout the Philly series a couple nights, even some of the – even game seven, I don't think they shot that well from three. And, and all the losses, it didn't really seem like they shot very well. And then first Milwaukee, the first two games, and then – uh, tonight they just, they have the, like they have good shooters, but they're all like it seems like when they're it seems like they just randomly all at once they all have bad shooting nights. Like Van Fleet was only two of eight, I guess. Yeah, Van Fleet he started out really hot from three, and then he kind of went cold. He had to take a lot of tough ones. Siakam went over three. <clears throat> uh, Kawhi was two of nine. Gasol was over two. Lowry was three of seven, and then um, Van Fleet, Powell, and Ibaka all went. Four, four, twelve from three. So, um, and really, a lot of those misses came in that the beginning of the third quarter when Golden State went on that huge run, just completely, just completely took the crowd out of it. The crowd was really into it, um, because a couple times, like Van Fleet and Power getting fast break layups, and Curry just looked kind of like disengaged. Not disengaged. It was just like Curry's always kind of. It's not like he's disengaged. It's just like he'll get a turnover and then he'll kind of just like. You can tell he's just really mad at himself, but he doesn't run back, which kind of, yeah, he should have run back. But, um, so it's for, the fans were really into the game, and then as soon as as soon as the Warriors started to get a little hot at the end of the second quarter, it was like, oh, man, the energy's kind of gone, and then that 18-0 run happened, and it was just like, it was a quiet arena. Um, but, oh, OG Ananobi didn't play. He was active, and I guess it makes sense. You can't just throw, I mean, I mean, I don't know. You can't just throw him into a game in the finals, especially for a guy who's kind of struggled this year. He hasn't played once in the playoffs yet. Um, cause I think he had an issue with his appendix. I think it recently came out, which is kind of, you know, it's not something you, me- you want to mess with. But still, I mean, I guess they have to list him as active, but still, like, they kind of made it seem like he was going to play. Um, so that was a little disappointing because OG Anobis, I think he might have I think he might have helped, especially on um the way Igadala was passing. Igadala had six assists. I think he could have tried to put I mean the Warriors oh, here's here's a stat that I I almost forgot to bring up. The Warriors set a finals record with let me see this. Uh, assist percentage in a finals game. They assisted on thirty four of their thirty eight made shots, which is unreal. Um and just shows the way they – I mean, I'm not one of the people that's like, oh, they play well when – they play better without the rant. But um, it's definitely a more like free-flowing offense when you don't have the rant, which, I mean, it works a lot. But then still, like, you, they really needed him in game one because they weren't really finishing those looks. And you really need that guy that can just, like, break it down from the free-throw line and hit those really tough shots. And I'm not sure when, when Katie's playing. I mean, maybe he'll – He'll uh, feel more engaged to come back now because Clay might be out, or Clay and Looney might be out. Which if Clay and Looney are out, I mean the Warriors bench already isn't good, and that lineup with Clay—it's like the Clay and Friends lineup, where it's like, um, what is it? It's like Clay, Cook, 
McKinney, Jarebko, and either Boogie or just like one of the other bigs. That lineup just never, it hasn't seemed to do anything. And even when Clay was hitting the shots tonight, it's like defensively that lineup isn't very good. And then offensively, they're just relying on Clay. It isn't like Clay, Clay's obviously amazing, but he works like a lot from Curry. The gravity that Curry has, like he excels a lot. Even when KD's not playing, like you can tell, he just, he just uses. I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. If you watch, you understand, but like Clay really uses Curry to get his open looks, which is fine. I mean, it's fine. I'm not like, it's not like a criticism, but um, so that lineup's just weird. So I don't know that that was like the main, and they kind of started going away from in the second half. And the only time Toronto started making that comeback was when they had that lineup in there. And then when Clay went out, Clint Cook like saved them and finally started hitting shots. Um, when he hit those two huge threes back-to-back. So, yeah, I think it was just a really, really enjoyable game overall. Like, it was really – the second half was really back and forth. And um, uh, Lowry fouled – the refs were a little bit suspect, honestly. But I thought they were suspect for both sides. Like, a lot of bad calls went against the Warriors. There was one when uh, Van Fleet – Van Fleet, like, stripped – he didn't – I don't know. I, I can't remember if he stripped Curry, but it was like he got a steal on a play with Curry. And then – Curry was kind of chasing him down, and Van Fleet like kind of had him. He kind of was like holding Curry while Van Fleet was dribbling. He was kind of like holding Curry back, and then Van Fleet fell, and Curry was called for a loose ball foul because I guess Van Fleet didn't fully have the possession yet. But it was like it shouldn't have been anything. And then um, late in the game, like Boogie, it should have been a block, but they called it a jump ball. Like he should have got blocked, and the ball went right back to him, and then he scored. But then they called it a jump ball which was a little – I mean, that was a pretty big play because it would have put the Warriors up, I think, seven at that point. And then um, and then there was a jump ball and Kawhi won because Kawhi's, you know, 7-4 wingspan or whatever. But you can't jump. Um, and then the Raptors got the ball back and they had a three and they made a two-point game. So I know I'm a bit all over the place with, like, all these – you know, my recollection of the game is just very late. Uh, so I apologize, but – I'm just trying to like kind of stream of consciousness, but they, uh, but there were some bad calls with the uh, the Raptors too. Like a lot of the, there were a lot of bad calls for uh, for Lowry on drives, and you know Lowry's like his last one was dumb. Like he he had five fouls, and but you get a rebound. And he tried to like go around him, and if you're gonna do that, you have to like try to like poke your hand at you poke your hand at the ball. You can't just like slap it, even if. Like, he got Boogie's wrist, but even if he, like, got the ball, it would have looked like a foul anyway because he aggressively slapped it, and then he's freaking out about the call. But, like, you know, like, I don't know why you would – That's a, usually he's a pretty high IQ player, but that seemed like a like a, a mistake. And then um, some of the calls on Gasol and Siakam were just really suspect down low. And basically when Boogie had that um, – when I was talking about earlier how he had that um, – the seven over run where he had two straight fouls. He had two straight he had four straight free throws on two straight possessions. Uh they both of them were kind of suspect. Especially one. They caught a block on Lowry when I think it was pretty clearly a foul. He wasn't not in the restricted he was not in the restricted zone and he um I mean his feet were set and they, they caught a block. So was, it seemed like uh, in the first half the Warriors were getting all the calls and in the second half the Raptors were, which is kind of weird. Because, you know, both teams were the Warriors were playing worse in the first half and they got all the calls. 
and the Raptors play worse in the second half, but they got all the calls. So it was a bit, a bit backwards, but um, yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not gonna. It, it's gonna be a good series, definitely. The Raptors' half court defense is still like really great. I know the the Warriors kind of kind of figured it out in the second half. But, I mean, I'm sure the Raptors will adjust. It was, the, the, the defense was just so good in the first game. People started freaking out in the first game because, um, I mean, the Raptors did look incredible. But it's like, if there's anything I'm learning from the Raptors, that it's like momentum, I don't know if it means anything for this team. And maybe that's just because of how, like, how, like, how, how should I put this? Like, Kawhi is so, like, centered. I don't know if that's the right word. Where he's just, like, he doesn't get too high. He doesn't, like, celebrate too much, but he also, like, doesn't freak out, you know? So maybe it's, like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, like, during the Philly series, I was really, and I was a fan of the Sixers, so I was, it was a really just I don't know what to make of any of these games because like game one, it's game one versus Philly. It seemed like oh my god, all the Phil, all all of the um, Philadelphia's like worries came to life, and it seemed like because you know all, all year it was like the Raptors the worst matchup of the Sixers, and then game two the, the Sixers eked out a win. It's like man, both teams played like equally in the Phillies and the not the Phillies, <laughs> the Sixers pulled it out, and then game three the Sixers completely dominated. And it was like, oh man, the Raptors are completely done. Kawhi's doing everything. He can't carry this. And then game four, it was back to, oh, Kawhi can carry them. And then game five, they blew they blew out the Sixers by like 38 points. And then it was like, oh, the Raptors got it. And then game six, the Sixers blew them out. And then it was like, oh man, game seven. And then game seven was just down. To, so it didn't make any sense. And then they were down 2-0 to Milwaukee. And it was like, oh, they're done. And then they eked out a win in game three. And then they just completely dominated for three straight games. And it's just, they're really, maybe because of how volatile their shooting is. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. Weird team. Very talented, though. And they're very, it's like, you can tell they have really good chemistry on the court. Um, so, I don't know. I can't, I don't want... I can't really bring myself to like dislike the Raptors. Like, I'm not a fan of Kyle Lowry. I respect how good he is, even though he is prone to like a bad game in a big moment, which is kind of. I mean, that'd be frustrating if I was a Raptors fan. If I'm, yeah, you know, my my All Star point guard is uh, who's like 33 is prone to kind of shrinking, but he's not. It's overrated how bad he's like. He was really good last year in the playoffs, and then this year. He's had a couple of really bad games, but overall, I think he's been really good. But tonight, he was like, I do not think he played well at all tonight. He had a couple shots, but he only had two assists. Usually, you can always rely on Lowry if he has like 12 points. He'll always get like eight assists, and then, you know, people freak out. It's like, oh, he's setting up everyone. But tonight, he only had two assists. Um, so, yeah, it just seemed like a really off night for him. And so, that, yeah, I think, but I think they do match up well, especially with KD out. Because if Kawhi can kind of just like not float around on defense, but if he doesn't have the if he doesn't have like a star to match up with on the wing, that's like a star ball handler. Because Clay is not like a ball handler. I mean, he kind of is, but he's not. Like he's not going off the dribble. So if Kawhi can just like 
throw him as like a help defender, that's where he really shines because his length is just insane. His IQ is insane. His hands are just ridiculously big. So when he can, when he can do, and he's a lot to do it without KD. So when he can just kind of roam like that, it just makes them like lethal. And the Warriors have to, you know, find these ridiculous looks. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I think it really depends on Durant and how healthy Clay and Looney will be. Because if Clay's out and KD's out, it's like, I don't know if they can maintain it. McKinney would really have to step up. And he did not, his defense honestly looked pretty good tonight, but um, offensively, he was, he, in the Clay and Friends lineup, he was not looking good. Um, two really, excuse me, two really badly missed threes and. You know, he's just not – I don't think he's there yet because, um, you know, I like most people probably didn't even know who McKinney was at the beginning of the season. Like, I, did, I had a faint knowledge of him. And now – I mean, he's played a lot this year. And um, so, yeah, I think – I'm, I'm not – I don't want to go against the Warriors. And the Raptors are – but the Raptors are like – the Raptors are too volatile for me to pick, but I feel like they should win. But maybe not. Oh man, this is I mean, I'm kinda glad we actually have like a really enticing vinyl for the first time in like three years. But I mean, I want to give a take right now. I'm not trying to like be a, do a cop out. But I really just it's I think it's I think it honestly will go at least six. I'd be really shocked if either team won three straight right now. Um if I had to give a take right now, it's something I'm saying Warriors in seven. Just because I know if it goes seven, I think Durant would definitely be back by that point. And if he's not, then that raises a lot of questions about how severe that I mean, obviously it would raise questions about how severe the injury is, but you know, he's he's had like a shaky injury history that people don't really like I mean, I don't think they don't want to talk about it, it's just kinda of like forgotten. Because he's only ended the season with an injury once, um, the year after he won MVP. He only played like 28 games. But like his first year with the Warriors, um, like remember Zaza like fell into his knee and it seemed like, oh, the Warriors, they don't have Durant. And it was in like early to mid-March. So it was like, oh man, they might not have it. And then I think he missed like one playoff game and then he dominated. <laughs> and then I think last year he had a bit, um, at the end of the season last year, the Warriors had like seven injuries. Like everyone on the team was injured. I mean, Curry missed the whole first round. And then um, I think they're just tired. Like, I'm, it's, it's pretty – like, if you think about it, like, what LeBron did is amazing and what the Warriors are doing is obviously amazing. Like, five straight years, they're playing, le- like, midway into June. And I know it's, like, all oh, they coast during the season and stuff, but it's still, it's, like, they're still winning, like, 58 games during the season. It's hard to coast a 58 win. I know they probably have the talent to do it, but like, still, still grind. And they're still, I mean, they had some tough playoff games. Like, like, like even they swept Portland, but they had to make three straight 17 point comebacks. Um, and versus Houston, they play all their starters like 42 minutes a game. So, um, but it really, I think it's really, I'll say it's going to be a great series. I'm picking Golden State in seven right now. Um, and I think I don't know how, what what did Curry shoot in game one? I'm not, I'm not gonna look it up. I'm too tired. But it didn't seem like he was really getting he wasn't really going. 
Like he he scored well in game one, but it didn't seem like he was really into a rhythm. Um, man, he had thirty four. Jeez, uh, maybe I'm just misremembering. Then I don't know. Like he had thirty four, but it didn't seem like an easy thirty four. It seemed like he was just hitting like ridiculous shots. So, um, so that's basically what I got in that. Man, he went yeah, yeah. He had fourteen free throws in game one. And it's like Curry, obviously it's great if he gets free throws, but that's like not like the Curry unstoppable 34 point game is when he goes like seven of four, like seven of 16 from three, even though it's like, you know, it's a worse percentage than four of nine. Right. Maybe not, whatever. Um, But still it's like just the, it's like, it's just dagger after dagger for the other team when he's hitting like that. So when he's when he's just getting his free throws, it's like his impact isn't really felt as much. I guess is what I'm trying to make the point. I'm trying to make. Also, I'm pretty shocked I didn't see any Jordan Bell tonight because I didn't think he was that. I don't think he played that poorly. Like I think he's played pretty well recently. I think he could have helped them um, since Looney went out, but clearly it's a good decision because Boogie and Bo get held down. All right, I got to move on. So um, free agency. It's still, it's gonna be July or June thirtieth. Now it's when it um, it's when it moved up. It moved up to six p.m. June thirtieth, which I think is good. Although they're just doing, they're not doing it for the fans. I mean, they do it for the fans only, just because they can probably make like a um, like a show at six p.m. that people will actually watch instead of you know a live sports center at twelve. You know, with like Woj and Low will probably be live on. 6 p.m. and they'll be reporting. And they'll probably honestly like see video of them tweeting what's happening because um, Woj is just the 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 source god. But um, see so the the KD injury is really like the KD injury and the report about the Clippers like potentially being a really attractive spot for him. He really like changes a lot at least in terms of perception, he might've already made his choice. Like he might've said, Oh, I'm going to Knicks. He might've made that choice in like January when they made that Porzingis trade. Um, because it's not, it wouldn't be the first time. I think we all knew that at least at this point, I think it's kind of obvious that LeBron planned on going to LA, like probably pretty early in the last season, or at least he was leaning toward it and then he made he made a decision definitely a long time before July first. Like he, it was it was a done it was a done deal. And the the thing with Katie's uh agent like setting up shop in New York, it's it's not subtle, man. Like we're seeing it, you know. You don't want to get mad at us when not us. I'm not part of the media. <laughs> I just think I am. When the media um the media asks him why he doesn't answer questions for 10 days. You don't have to get mad at him. I mean, it's not that hard to just be like, oh, yeah, sorry. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I think, like, the injury, maybe he's like, oh, I want to run it back, especially if they lose. Because if they lose, he can be like, oh, yeah, let's run it back. I'll carry us back to the title. Because then he can have, like, the validation, like, oh, yeah, they actually do need me because a lot of people think they don't, which they might not. But um, so that's like an angle. The Clippers thing, 
I mean, I always thought the Clippers were like a way better choice than the Knicks because the Clippers also can create pretty easily create space for two max players while retaining. I think if they trade Gallinari, I think they right now they have two maxes. And if they trade Gallinari, they have space for two maxes and they can like re-sign Beverly and um, whoever else expires. So, and it's in LA and it's like, they're now, now they're like a well-run organization, which is funny. Um, but it just shows how, how great of a GM Jerry West is. I mean, all the trades they made just seem like absolute wins. Even the, uh, I mean, they probably won the Sixers trade. Although I'm still happy with the trade as a Sixers fan. It's just, you know, they got a lot. They got a lot. They, they don't. They don't. It's not often you get value like that for a 26 year old. Not 26 year old. It doesn't matter how old he is. How for like a free agent, especially one that wasn't an All Star, even though he probably should have been. Um, and he got you know, like a pick and a half basically, and a good young player in Sham and Capriles. Um. A lot of that trade depends on if Tobias leaves, and obviously the Clippers won the trade. But right now, I'd say slight advantage to the Clippers if Tobias leaves, big advantage. But anyway, I think like KD can bring Kyrie to the Clippers. I don't get why he can't do that. Imagine like the storyline of him taking over LA with LeBron in, in town, which he would. The, like, the Clippers would be better if they got Durant than the. Um, than the Lakers will be, unless the Lakers get like Kawhi and AD. So, you know, it'll, um, I think it'd be a better destination just because I think like one, I think the West is going to like start to fade a little bit. Like Houston will probably, especially with that news about Houston, potentially, um, you know, everyone's available other than, I mean, every, they said everyone obviously is not going to go anywhere, but the news that everyone's available for them and then added that added to that. I'm not sure what Denver's ceiling is. I guess a lot of it depends on Murray, but like, I'm not sure if they're ever more than like the old Phoenix Suns. Like the, and I know the Suns were very close to making the finals, but like they weren't like a top team of all time, you know, which it would take, which like right now it would take to be the Warriors. And then Portland will probably, you know, this is probably like the best Portland's ever going to be, honestly. And I, I keep going in on Portland. It's just like if they give Dame the Supermax, Dame is definitely, Dame's definitely like for them, he's definitely worth it because he literally is Blazers right now. He'll probably be their best player ever, especially if he wins the title, which I don't, I mean, I don't know. But like they're not getting any free agents. Nurkic might never be the same. I hope he is. But he might not. He might not ever be the same. And then, um, they're going to be too good to get like a pick, like a good, like a high draft pick. And obviously, they can always, you know, it's not like impossible to draft a great player in the twenties. But it's just, it's just, it's hard for them to become like elite, elite. And the Spurs will probably hang around like forty-nine to fifty-three wins. And who the other playoff? The Jazz, unless Mitchell really becomes like a solid playmaker and they get another score to put next to him because he just, when he has to shoot all the time, it's like, he's just not there yet. You know, sometimes it seemed like it, but he's just not. I'm trying to, a thunder, you know, I'm not, 
I'm never going to put any merit into what the Thunder do anymore. It's just they just prove me wrong every year. Um, so they can have their stretches in December where they look amazing, but I want to see it in April. So what I'm saying is, like, if Katie does leave the Warriors, if he goes to the Clippers, like, they could be the best team in the West right away, or at least the second best team in the West right away. Which is, and if he goes to the Knicks, unless they get like Katie, Kyrie, and trade for AD, like I don't know if they're better than Philly. I don't think they're better than Toronto if Kawhi stays. I don't think they're going to be better than, I mean, the Bucks are going to be back. The Bucks are have a bad ending, but like the Bucks are going to be back. And then, um, the Celtics, oh, I mean, you know, the Celtics had a disappointing year where there's still avenues to where they're like an elite, elite team. So that'd be like a five-team race in the East. Plus, Indiana's getting Old Depot back. That's like a six-team race. Although, I mean, Old Depot's like, or I mean, um, Indiana, I don't think they're ever going to do anything anyway with Old Depot. I know they looked really good, but I still think just the way that the, the style of play is just, um, how do I say? It's just, I don't think it would translate to the playoffs. Like, I know people are like, oh, the playoffs, you don't need shooting as much, but you still need some shooting. And they just, like, they don't refuse to take threes, but they should take a lot more. They play so slow. It's just like, oh, man, what are we doing? But still, that's like six good teams, really great, good, great to elite teams. And then you still have, you know, Brooklyn's uh, on the rise. And, you know, one of the teams that's in the lottery – I mean, I guess, man, none of them got good picks. Sheesh. You know, like Chicago or something could blow up. Or Charlotte looks into like a star at 12. And then they got Kemba and if Kemba resigns. So it's not like, oh, he goes to the Knicks and they're going to run the East. Immediately. I mean, they might, but, you know, they have a lot of competition where I think if he goes to the Clippers, it weakens the best team and – you probably shoot Pat. Like the Clippers aren't all that far away from like the two through six seed or two through seven seeds. They're probably better than the Spurs, honestly. Um, six seed was a Thunder. I mean, they might have been better than the Thunder on like the Thunder were such a mess. And the Clippers are an actual team. The Thunder just have two stars that play well together, but everybody else just doesn't fit at all. So, um, that's just my take on that. So I think it's between those three, the Knicks, the Warriors, and the Clippers. I don't think he's going to the Lakers. With Kawhi, I think I think he stays. I think it's, he's like he's had his moment now. Like he had a moment and then he's had like like more like kind of smaller moments. And I would just like I really want him to leave selfishly, but I mean he has like he's the he's the best raptor ever. I know that's not like saying that much, but still, like they've had good players. And he's like easily the best in one year. He's taken to the finals. He's been automatic. They love him and I feel like feel like he actually like likes it. Um but I mean, you never know. Maybe he's just he just really wants to play in LA or he's just, you know, he has no ill will toward Toronto. He just wants to play somewhere else. I don't know. But I'd say probably like 60-40 Toronto. Maybe 55-45 Toronto right now in favor of Toronto, um, which is, you know, great trade for them. 
Kyrie, I feel like I never understood the Nets thing. Like, I get he's from kind of from the area. I mean, not really. I mean, he's from New Jersey. And nobody in New Jersey was like a Nets fan. <laughs> um, as someone that lived in New Jersey, I did not know very many Nets fans, although I was in, you know, Philly territory. But so I don't know what he was a fan of growing up. Maybe he was a Nets fan. But it's like they don't need I know you can never have enough ball handlers, but like you don't need they don't need guards. They need like a really solid wing that can handle I mean, I guess Levert could be that, but still, like they need a they need a four that's like kind of dynamic, in my opinion. Because Carroll cannot be that. And he can't play Harris at the small four, and I'm not sure about Karuks or however you say his name. I mean he's he showed potential as rookie year, but I'm not sure if he's a long-term answer, but um, excuse the beep in the background. I'm trying to get that to turn off, but it's not. So, um, but yeah, like if they sign him, I'm not sure how that fits with D'Lo. I'm not sure if D'Lo would even stay if they would, how the money would work. I think they could because of bird rights and stuff, but if you have D'Lo, I guess you'd trade one of the ball handlers, but you still have a little vert too. Um, and none of them are like amazing passers. Elo is a pretty solid passer, but they're not like amazing. Uh, so yeah, I don't know about that. I think him and the Lakers actually like make sense. Like I get people are like, oh, they burned the bridge with LeBron, but I I think that's like been patched apparently, and um, yeah, there's been some momentum for him going to the Lakers from some of the reporting that's going on and. Um, he's, I mean, we know how good of a fit he is with LeBron. It was never a basketball issue. I mean, Kyrie got, Kyrie took the most shots on the team his last year with the Cavs. Like, if it was a basketball thing, I don't know what he wants. Because almost, he really just wants to take, like, 25 shots a night, which he kind of did in the playoffs, and he sucked. So, that's a, I don't know. I, and then the next thing, I mean, maybe. If KD goes, probably. But, um, uh, yeah. It, it's a little far out for me to, like, really make a concrete prediction because we, we know we always know a lot more, like, leading up to the draft. And there, the draft should be after free agency. I'm so not sure why it's not. Because it makes so much more sense. If you know, you shouldn't build your roster. Like, you shouldn't draft for a team where you might – like, how are you supposed to draft? If you have free agents – I'm not even saying this is like, a Sixers fan. Like, any team that has a bunch of free agents, like, how can you draft someone with so much uncertainty? Even if it's only, like, five days away if you have a good idea. But still, like, what if you don't? If you know your team going into the draft, it makes drafting so much more efficient. Um. And I hope they change that eventually because it just makes so much more sense. I'm sure there's something, somebody that break, like is broken down why um, why it shouldn't, it wouldn't work or whatever, but that's just something I want to see. But we always know more about free agency like in the last week of June. The odds are always changing. Like the Vegas, Vegas usually knows a lot. And um, um, so... It's only June 
second right now, so, or June third at twelve oh seven now. Uh, but I'll keep going down the list. So who's next? Uh, I did Kawhi, I did Katie, I did Kyrie. I guess is Jimmy Butler the next best free agent? I'm gonna do it anyway because I love Jimmy Butler. I think right now I'm leaning toward him staying, but there is some noise about how. Um, he doesn't care that much about five years and you know, he wants to go where his family's happy. You know, his family isn't like his um his camp, I guess. Kind of refers to him as family. Maybe it is his actual family, I don't know. But um I really hope he stays. And I be I feel like he really likes it there from what I've seen in the play or what I saw in the playoffs. Like it seemed like he was really buying it and it seemed like he was like, he was finally starting to click with a team in the playoffs, like, on a chemistry level. I don't think it was ever, like, bad. Um, but it was just, like, a bit, you know, like, just taking a minute to mesh. But then in the playoffs, like, it really seemed like him and Embiid started getting tight, and um, him and Simmons had a really good connection on, like, you know, pick and rolls and stuff. And I think they all like each other. I don't think it's ever like a, a locker room thing. But there's still some news about LeBron recruiting him. That'd be a weird fit. Although every time I say that, it's like, yeah, he's trying to fit with Ben Simmons and it's like a, a worse fit. But also they know how it works. And like, like basketball wise, I feel like part of the reason why Jimmy would want to stay is like we can give him the ball. Like we, he knows he's gonna get the ball at the end of the game. Like he's gonna be the ball handler. If he goes to the LA, he, you're not taking the ball to LeBron's hands. You know, it's like, um. So I don't know. Then it also like they would. He would be like their fifth choice or fifth or sixth choice probably behind like KD, Kawhi, Kyrie. Um, why am I forgetting the other free agent? I know there's another big free agent that I'm like forgetting for some reason. Um, but you know, still he wouldn't be like their top, top priority. Oh, Kemba. So. Oh, Clay. Oh yeah. Clay Thompson. Yeah. So yeah, they'd have like five or six guys who I think they would prioritize above Jimmy and, um, so I'd be really surprised with the Lakers. The Clippers, I think if they miss out on like Kawhi and KD and stuff, I think they would make a really tough push on him. And I know he wanted to, he was interested in getting traded there. Um, funny enough, I think Tobias for Jimmy would have like made a lot of sense in September. <laughs> but clearly they're on the same team now. I hope. Um, but I think he I think if I had to put my life on it, I'd say he stays, but I wouldn't be like that shocked if he left. But I really hope he stays. I heard something about the Mavs. I know he's from Texas, so maybe, but that'd be him and Doncic. It's like it's I kind of Doncic's team, weirdly enough, and they still Porzingis. That's a, I mean, would he really want to go somewhere like that? Like that could that has a chance to be a disaster, um, because they're out on a lot of they're out on two picks, two of their own picks. And they're about to pay an injured guy a lot of money. And I'm not sure how they get a lot better around them if they sign Jimmy to a max. Because 
they're going to have to pay Doncic. And, I mean, you're not even worried about paying Doncic right now. I'm really sorry about the beeping noise. You're not even going to have to pay Doncic right now. So, I don't know. I mean, that'd be, you know, interesting. Maybe there's, like, a sign-and-trade thing. That, I mean, if he leaves on a sign-and-trade and we actually – the Sixers actually get someone, like, pretty good in return that can actually help, then, oh, well, you know. I'd appreciate that. Um, going down, who else? Clay, I think Clay's going to stay. I'm on. He's not leaving. Uh, Kemba, I think he's also going to stay because he made he made all NBA, and I'd be shocked if MJ didn't pony up the supermax for him because I don't think MJ wants to lead a tanking team in Charlotte when they already struggle with attendance and stuff. So I think he's going to stay. If he leaves, probably LA or New York or Dallas. You know, the the usual suspects. Uh, Porzingis, I think I don't think he's going anywhere. Cousins, I have no idea where he's going to go because I think he played like he showed enough that he he'll make more than whatever the Warriors paid him, and I'm not sure how much more they could offer. I guess unless like KD leaves, but I have no idea who would like take. Maybe he takes another one year deal, but you think he would want one? I don't know. I'm not paying like three for sixty. I'm not, I wouldn't do that unless I really have faith in him. Vooch, I'm uh, maybe Dallas or something or Atlanta. Atlanta for Bruce Fitch would actually be offensively would be a nice fit. Uh, next was Collins, even though neither are great defenders, but apparently Atlanta really um, is prioritizing. Um, signing a, or at least acquiring a big that can shoot threes. And that's why they're not interested in uh, like Jackson Hayes. That's what I pre- That's what I'm hearing. Uh, down the list. So by, I think Harris will stay. If he doesn't, that'd be like six teams for him in not a long time. So, and I think he's, I think he can be a great fit with the Sixers. I think he showed that he could. He just had a really bad slump. And then it's like when Embiid came back from that injury, when he missed like eight games, it kind of like Tobias was balling out in that, in that span. Um, and then B kind of like threw Tobias off and then he went really cold. But I think like first Brooklyn, he was awesome and he had his moments for Toronto. And I think all like his all around game was improved. So I think if you get him like a training camp and like an off season to actually like get acclimated, I think he'd be a great, great fit. Cause he like fits. Oh my God. He fits on paper. He fits perfectly. And I really like Tobias Harris. And I really hope he stays. And I think he will. Um, I think they're off for the max. If they don't, then they're really, that was really ill advised trade. Um, um, moving on, Chris Middleton. I think he's gonna stay. I don't know where you would go. The only team I can see him going to is like Dallas, but I'd be shocked if he left. I mean, he's a good fit, although I don't think he's worth the max. He's like in the Tobias Harris t- uh, tier where he's probably worth like twenty-five million, but he's gonna get like thirty. And it'll kind of cripple Milwaukee, but they have to do it because you have to. You can't be cutting corners with Giannis. Like you just can't. Especially with one of the only guys that can actually score off a dribble for them. Um, <clears throat> any other big free agents? I'll just go th- quickly through. Uh, D'Lo, I think, I think he'll stay, but it'll obviously depend on, I don't know why it says he's unrestricted, because he's not. I think it'll uh, depend on um, if Brooklyn can get anyone else in free agency. Redick, I think he probably stays um, like a, a longer deal for less annual money. 
because he's made a lot in two years with Philly, and they really need him. <laughs> Unfortunately, they really need the thirty-four defensive liability, thirty-four-year-old defensive liability, who uh, doesn't really create off the dribble. I still love JJ Redick though. Brogdon will. Whew. I think some team is honestly going to poach him, but I don't know who it is. But he's really, really good. But with he's good, but he's kind of old. I mean, he's only 26, but he's only in his third year. And um, kind of has an injury history that's, like, underrated. Last year he missed a lot of time. This year he missed a lot, a lot of time. Missed the first, pretty much first two rounds of the playoffs. Horford, I think, will opt in. Or, no, nah, I, th- I think he'll opt in. Uh, Gasol would definitely opt in. And he's a great fit. And even if he, I mean, even if Kawhi leaves and they want to trade him, like some team could use Marcus Soul for what, like twenty million a year, or whatever. Maybe more from that. Randall, I think, will go to. If I had to make a prediction, probably like Phoenix. It seemed like that's a mutual interest thing. I don't know about the fit with Aiton because they kind of need like a a three and D four, which are rare, but. They kind of need that, and he's neither. He can kind of shoot, and he, when he tries, he can defend, but I don't know. Aiton's not much of a shooter, so Brooke Lopez, really any team that doesn't have a good, a great center but has, you know, like $10 million to spend on a center, I think he'll go to. And I don't think it'll be, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if it'll be Milwaukee. I guess that a lot of that depends on if they can bring back the uh, Brogdon and Middleton. So. Yeah, those are all the big free agents. I believe I went through all of them. Um, I said Porzingis was going to stay. Yeah, so those are all the big free agents. Um, last thing I'll do for like a couple minutes is just talk about the draft because we, I've been doing draft breakdowns on the website, and um, we had our live lottery, uh, lottery reaction. Shane was pretty bad because he's a Suns fan. They got the sixth pick. Um. And it's just a weird, weird draft that I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, I'll admit I'm not as interested because the Sixers don't have a pick. But I'm still – I mean, I'm doing my due diligence. I'm still looking into all the prospects. I really like – I mean, Zion's great. I'm not that big of a Zion fan, but, like, he's going he's gonna to be good. And he definitely deserves to be the number one pick. He can't – he's ridiculously efficient. Um, and I think he's – He'll be a good enough shooter to not be a liability in that regard. I've, I really like John Morant, but I could see the downside. Like he's really undersized. He's going to be. Not, I don't. I don't see him being great defensively until he bulks up. And his form is really weird. I mean, he hit his shots. You can credit. And he shoots really well from the line, and like on on layups and stuff and floaters. But it's like he's both his elbows are coming out kind of. But it's not like terrible, terrible. Like he can definitely work on. It. It's not like a like an unfixable thing. Um, and his passing is just like really, really great. And he seems like a good like intangible. I hate people overblow like the intangibles thing. But he seems like a guy that people actually want to play with. Barrett just seems like the most naturally gifted player of the three. But there are definitely like some tunnel vision stuff with him, and I think he has like a good mindset though. Like he seems really like ferocious and he just needs to be kind of reined in he's only 18 like he's pretty young for his class he's only 18 still um so i mean yeah 
<laughs> if I'm the Knicks, excuse my yawn. If I'm the Knicks, I am definitely taking him three. I don't think I'll take Culver. If you do take Culver, you got to trade back. You can't take him at three. LA, I think they're going to take Garland. And I think it's an interesting choice. Um, because I think he can fit next to Alonzo and like LeBron, but I don't know. It's like he'd really need to be able to hit shots from day one if he wants to play. If they plan on keeping the pick, which, you know, on draft night, they might think they still are, even if they don't. Um, but I really like Garland. I think he fits the mold of like what is really important in the league, which is like being able to shoot off the dribble from three and create shots from there. Um, kind of like a little, I mean, I'm not saying he's lowered, but he, he's like in the lowered mold. And Lillard's like Curry light. So being Curry light light is still like a great player. And he, at worst, he'll be like, you know, like a, a spark plug off the bench who gives you like 14 a night on like 23 minutes a game and, you know, is passable in other areas. All those defenses a little. I'm not sure how great of a defender he could be. He's very small. He's like, I feel like, I know we didn't get a sample size with him because only five games and Trey like had really bad defense in college. Like he was, Trey's just a bad defender in general, not just because of his size. But, like, people freaked out about Trey Young's size, and they're, like, the same size. So I don't know where the, the, the freaking out is for him. Um, and they're both, like, kind of gunners. Maybe Trey's, like, the ultimate gunner, but I don't know. We only saw five games from Garland. So, um, who's the next? I think Culver at five is a great fit for Cleveland because Sexton is explosive and a good shooter and not a great playmaker. And Culver's like compliments that. Like Culver's not that explosive and not a great shooter, but he's a, a really solid playmaker and he attacks the basket really well. Um, and he's just like a smart overall player. And he, I mean, he can hit shots. He's not like in, incapable of hitting shots. Uh, so I think like having him as maybe to run the offense would be good. And then Seti at the three and then Love at the four for now. And Tristan at the five. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Culver's a great fit for them. And then six and seven, like if the Suns take Kobe White, which they they might just be like guilted into it. Maybe they trade six for Lonzo or something. But if they do take Kobe White at six, so they really eventually you need to just put their fork in the road. Um, that's not even phrased. But um, just like, oh, yeah, this is our point guard. Regardless of what the fit might be, like we're getting a point guard. They have to do it eventually. They can't just rotate G League talent forever and then right booker's not a point guard i'm sorry uh, booker actually would like be sick if he could play off the ball a little bit because that's what he like came up as and then he, he just like developed his handle and his isolation ability uh, but if they take kobe white six which i think they would then who does chicago take like does, does chicago doesn't need camera edge they don't need deandre hunter they don't need either of those guys so really, the, the ages of chaos are the Lakers. Because the Lakers take Garland, everything gets screwy. But the Lakers take, like, Reddish or Culver or uh, DeAndre Hunter. Then it kind of like, oh, the Suns and the, the – I don't think the Cavs take a point guard. So then I think the Suns and the Bulls just take whoever the other team didn't at point guard. Because even if Garland, like, isn't a great fit still, you need to have your point guard eventually. I think Garland would be pretty – I mean, if you can shoot, your, you can fit. It's just the playmaking defense that they might be worried about. But at this point, you just need a point guard. <sighs> Man, it's like 12-24. Um, 
Or am I? Oh, so I had. So I guess the Bulls are in that situation where um, they don't. There's no point guards like great, like great point guards available at that spot. Because after those three, it's like the next one's what, like Ty Jerome, in terms of like likely point guards taken. That's like he's rejected to go in like the mid to late twenties. So, um, so if the Bulls are in that situation, I think they would just take a flyer on a reddish at that point. Because they have like Porter. So if they have Porter and they seem to like him, why would you take DeAndre Hunter? Like, I don't think DeAndre Hunter has any chance of being more than it. I think DeAndre Hunter is going to be a great 3 and D player, but I don't think he has any chance of being more than that. Um, so. Um, and then eight, I think the Hawks would take whatever of Hunter slash Culver slash Reddish isn't there. And then a nine, I think the Wizards should take Dumboya. Um, and then at 10, I think the Hawks, I don't know. I'm not sure. So, um, sorry. Um, so at 10, so I heard they're not in on Hayes because they want like a shooter. At least a shooting five. So maybe they take a, I don't know how to say his name, Goga Bittazde. I'm not starting to say his name. He's a, a Euro big. Um, kind of like a, a bit of like a bruiser, but he's actually kind of quick on his feet. I don't know. He's kind of unknown, but he can, he has a little bit of touch. So maybe they would. Maybe they go for him. I'm not sure. That's a that's it's just a, that's a weird draft. I would not want to be a fan of a team that's like out of the top three, but in the lottery. Um, because it just seems like just like underwhelming prospects. I don't know. Like ESPN's gonna have a hard time promoting the drafts outside of Zion <laughs> and Moran. Moran's really fun, and Barrett can, can be fun, but it's just like the other guys are just like, man. Like Langford, boring. Porter Jr., boring. It's like, I don't know. It was already going to be a bad class, and then like they all underperformed. <laughs> but I think like the, the mid, the people that are projected to go like in the late 20s to early 30s, I think are all like really interesting. They're all like wings that are just can contribute from day one, which I know a lot of like the late 20s has, but this year it seems like they're all like Cam Johnson, Thibuel. Um, Ty Jerome, um, what, am I, what am I missing? Lewis King, like those kind of guys. Nick Claxton. I feel like they can all be just like contributing from day one. It it just seems like there's more than usual, and there's still like like interesting guys like Taco Fall and stuff. Like it's just I don't know. I'm gonna be more interested watching like the end of the draft I don't know. because I think especially with this year's like draft class being underwhelming um like in the the four through like 12 range i think it's definitely people are already going to not want to tank because of stuff that happened to like the suns and the bulls but because like this year being the first year is really going to accentuate that because people are going to be like man i'm getting like cam reddish at six and i really didn't want to you know, it's like, I don't know. Like, we wanted to get Zion. We are settling for Cam Reddish at six when we could have Zion at one. Which is just, I mean, that's a hypothetical. I don't know who the Suns are going to take, but. Um, 
I don't know. It's just, it's just a, it, I, the uh, the odds are just weird. And we saw it when we did our live thing. Like it's re- it's e- like we know the odds, and we always go and Tankathon and sim it, and it's like, oh man, these odds are weird. But then when you see it live, it's like crazy. Um, you're just like, man, they really changed it after a long time. So that's all I got for tonight. And I'm sorry I'm very tired and I had to stop a couple times because of the BB noise, but that's just what we're doing here. So that's how I'm going to end it. We will, I'm not sure when Shane's getting back, but we're going to have a lot of content going up, a lot of draft stuff. We'll do some mocks and some a post-finals podcast, maybe another in the middle of the finals. Um, something crazy happens in games three, four, or five. But um, – Overall, very fun game. Free agency is going to be fun. The draft's going to be fun, even with a crappy draft class. So that's all I got. Uh, Signing off. Thank you for listening, if you did. And have a good one.